0: Listening to Karate Kid Minutes. Uh, my name is Robin. I'm Matt. And we are here once again uh, with a little bit of a Cobra Kai discussion with a uh, writer, co producer, is it? Executive uh, producer? Co executive producer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What on right. up? <laughs> uh, Bob Dearden, welcome back to the podcast. Always awesome Thanks, to talk guys. to you.
1: Likewise. Thank you for having me.
0: Bob's has a little bit of a problem with his voice. Uh, It's perfect podcasting. Uh, We don't edit (laughs) here, so uh, you know uh, you'll have to forgive him. But yeah, Bob's going to try to give us uh, as best as he can uh, with our Cobra Kai questions, and they're all very important. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Luckily, a lot of the questions are you could give rapid fire answers. Robin has come up with a lot of questions. So nice. we probably prefer rapid fire uh answers if we want to get through them all. Unless you're really passionate
0: about some of your answers and
2: you want to yeah. elaborate. All right. Understood.
0: I mean, you know, we did do a little editing before we got you on to the call. Uh we, I was at forty, we cut it down to thirty nine. Uh yeah. so uh <laughs> it was very hard to cut
1: any. sounds <laughs> like one of our episodes. <laughs>
0: uh so i mean how how are you feeling uh after the latest season uh reception Uh, and all that yeah yeah
1: good i mean i was deep into the next show i'm working on with the same guys who do cobra kai um -hmm. which is called obliterated and will come out on netflix sometime next year um so i didn't really get to experience a whole lot of the um you know the, the hoopla i guess about uh, the season five drop, but it seemed like everyone really liked it. So that's always a plus. Um, And there was actually a, like a premiere in LA that uh, a bunch of my coworkers went to, which I did not uh, because I was working in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the time. But uh, it sounded like that was a pretty good time. Um, And I did get to see everybody at, not everybody, but a a bunch of the cast and and some of the other people who work behind the scenes at a LA Kings game recently, Ah. So that was cool. And it sounds like everyone's really happy with, you know, how everything's been received and all the feedback they've been getting. So couldn't ask for much more.
0: That's cool. Oh. Uh, all right. Let's, let's get into it. Shall we? Uh, so how about, uh, let's see my first question. Actually, is just a, a weird question. Uh Oh, we see Will Smith's name in the the credits. How how much is Will Smith involved with uh, Cobra Kai? You ever you ever seen him in the office? Or <laughs> no no
1: never met him. Uh, once when I was an assistant working for uh, Warner Brothers on the Veronica Mars movie, I walked past him in the parking lot. He was in the like the VIP section, obviously, and I was going to the you know, the section where they send all the people making an hourly wage. Um, and we were both on the phone and I saw him from a distance and just kind of stared as I was walking. <laughs> and he saw me staring and eventually just threw up a peace sign and I waved back. And that was the happiest moment <laughs> of my life. until, that, oh, until <laughs> that But that's the extent of my uh, interaction with the Fresh Prince so far. Nice.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Let-
2: well, as far as you know, like the, he he might not be around, but does he like look at, the stories and have input or anything, do you know? Uh, not to my not to my knowledge. Uh if he does, it's above my pay grade. So <laughs> yeah. I have to ask the bosses how much they they chat with him. But I
1: think it might be just that he has the rights because of the the movie with Jackie Chan and his son yeah, a few years ago. Right. Um so I think that's kind of the like he was probably a lot more involved in the beginning or his company was, but that was before yeah. my time. So right. anything I told you about that would be an outright lie.
0: <laughs> uh Chosen is called in this show uh, by a couple of people, uh, mainly I think Amanda and Louie, uh, an Okinawan karate assassin uh, a few times. Uh, has Chosen ever murdered anybody in his past, according to uh, the lore that you guys have established on the show?
1: <laughs> well, the way I feel about canon stuff is that <laughs> only what you see on screen is what happens, and that's open to people's interpretation as well. So... We haven't seen him murder anybody, um, but we haven't seen him not murder anybody. Or we <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's possible. Um, I think Amanda and we just like to catch things in, you know, broader terms um, right. from their outside perspective. So it also <laughs> could be that they are exaggerating slightly, but um, I mean, I, I believe Chosen could certainly kill people if he wanted to.
3: Yeah.
0: How's that for non answer? <laughs> <laughs> Keep them coming. It's totally fine. <laughs> all right. There, uh, there's a lot more swearing this season. I, I don't know if it, like was this a conscious choice at all. Like you actually have, you guys actually have the Karate kids say Mike fucking Barnes on the yeah <laughs> on the yeah. show, and I was like, whoa. Uh, yeah,
2: I did see do. some <laughs> some parents online. They're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me any, but.
1: Well there's been at least one utterance of fuck and a lot of shits and assholes and things like that over the course of the years. I feel yeah. like there used to be a rule um, that there were, we were allowed two fucks per season. Mm-hmm. So there was sometimes a bit of a competition in the writer's room to see who could get them. <laughs> who gets um, the best fucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that that, um, that ceiling still holds. We might've gotten a few more fucks in this year. Now that it's you know, so. an established show. Yeah, I, I think they try to, you know, use them sparingly so that they have maximum impact. And when, yeah. when, uh, Daniel says Mike fucking Barnes, it feels like an appropriate use for the karate kid to be finally dropping an F bomb.
0: Right. Uh, Oh this, is a, oh, this is a joke question, but w- was the new Cobra Kai, uh, the studio, actually made to look like a Peloton studio on purpose, or uh, were you guys thinking?
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, know. I, I think it was, I mean, I don't know what a Peloton studio looks like. I don't oh. recall anyone mentioning that specifically, but it was definitely meant to look, you know, sleek and upscale and
3: yeah. fitting, a,
1: you know, an overspender on, on things, uh, a rich man with, you know, no, no dependents and nothing else to do with his money like Terry Silver.
2: Yeah. Right. I wonder if Terry Silver's dojos would qualify as like Mick dojos, you know, like the franchise dojos, like, even though it's a franchise, it's got, you know, Boku money behind it. <laughs> like, yeah. Can it still be classified as a Mick dojo? I wonder.
1: I don't know. I mean, that's what he wanted. Right. He wanted mm. to be the Starbucks of karate. Um, yeah.
2: so, so I guess but, I, I guess it would be. <laughs>
1: That, that was uh, certainly his goal. Whether whether he gets there or not, given what happened this season, uh, you know, it seems seems a little bit dicey at this point.
0: Right. Um, my next one was uh, Johnny uh, during his beatdown of the surfers. They the the music actually cuts to uh, the El Mariachi song from Desperado, and I just wasn't sure if oh, that really? was like. That, I wasn't sure if that was like an homage or, or are or you guys or any of you fans of Desperado, the the Robert Rodriguez movie?
1: I mean, I sure am. I read the um, Rebel Without a Crew book about the making of El Mariachi when I was a, you know, a student in uh, undergrad way back when. So uh, certainly a fan, but um, I believe that choice was made in post after the fact. Just the input of the music supervisor and the composers and the, and the showrunners and whoever else, um, you know, deals with that stuff. I don't remember it coming up in the room, but, you know, it feels like uh, it feels appropriate for for Johnny to be living his own version of a Robert Rodriguez movie during this little <laughs> trip to go find Miguel. Yeah, right.
0: yeah. Uh, of course, during that trip was the whole Hot Ones scene. Is there are there fans of? Hot, are you a fan of Hot Ones? Uh, it-
1: I don't know if we ever brought up Hot Ones as a specific parallel, but it's an obvious one for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I've seen it a little bit online, but uh, that's about the extent of my knowledge of Hot Ones it okay. just felt like a a very sort of uh you know cheesy kind of fun thing for Robbie to show his uh you know his his strategic skill set versus his dad who just goes in kind of head first with everything
0: right <laughs> right uh was there more for hector or the mexico arc planned like do you do you see him like returning to the show eventually or i mean maybe you or can't or was say there that, anything
2: but... in this season that was cut out or uh
1: i I think the guys, the showrunners kind of had it mapped out from the beginning of the season. I mean, in years past, we certainly talked about, you know, who Miguel's father could be and what that storyline could be uh, in ways that felt bigger than two episodes. But by the time we got to the room for season five, it felt like the guys had sort of honed down the storyline they wanted to tell and make it more about the focus between you know miguel and his immediate immediate family including his surrogate father as opposed to um spending too, too much real estate on his you know biological father mm-hmm. um so that was kind of mapped out beforehand but as far as coming back you never know i mean anybody who's been on the show can come back so yeah
0: sure. <laughs> uh and uh, oh uh, a big line that was uh uh promoted on the the trailers and of course we're s- scattered across billboards even was the, uh, you're playing with fire daddy boy. And then chosen saying, and I am gasoline. So you gotta say like, who came up with that? Like that was, that was perfect. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I feel strongly that it was either Hayden or Michael Jonathan Smith who uh-huh. I think wrote that episode. Um, and just always had a lot of pitches about fire to my recollection. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I, I'll admit, I, I love the line, but it also, I'm not sure it holds up to scrutiny because it's more helpful for Terry's side of that metaphor
3: yeah.
0: than Daniel's, <laughs> but... Mutually but assured cool. destruction.
2: Exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. true,
0: yeah. yeah. Now you're playing with fire and I am a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, you know, I'm just... Yeah, I am I, a I just, bucket of water. <laughs> yeah. Just putting it out there, Bob, if you guys need some extra lines, we can, you call us up. We'll, we that was really good. I know you're writing that down right now, but... for sure. Yeah. I'm
1: keeping a list. Uh, it's going to be uncredited though. Just so you know, unpaid. am yeah. Well. yeah. Okay. All right. All right.
0: <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about the discussions around like crafting the chosen character as a regular character this season? I mean, you kind of brought them into the folds in your episode, uh, Miyagi-Do, uh, was there were you more of a go-to for chosen or no what discussion no did you I, that? I
1: mean the original episode that he was brought into um i wasn't even scheduled to write when it was broken that was kind of a switcheroo at the last minute so um and certainly um Yuji, who plays chosen had a lot of you know thoughts on where his character had been and and a lot of sort of um helpful ideas about where his character would be now that were incorporated so between him and the showrunners they kind of guided that initial presentation of the character reintroduction of the character. Um, and then when we got to this season, you know, the cliffhanger from last year was obviously teeing up a big, uh, prominent role for chosen this year, more so than than what he'd done in season three with just the yeah. one in the one in the bit episodes. Um, but you know, again, the, the showrunners and Yuji had, you know, kind of a, a idea sketched out beforehand and, um, and it was just, it was for the rest of us, I think it was just a nice, like, new dynamic to play with, you know, that uh, not only informed, you know, some of Daniel's character in his home life, but also once he mixed Chosen in with some of the kids and, and with Johnny, and there's just so much room for fun new uh, interactions and, and character dynamics there that any show in its fifth season needs a bit of an injection of that. And so it was pretty perfect that, uh, you know, this, the table was already set for him.
0: Right. I, I love the partnership he has with Daniel, but I also, yeah, love love these discussions he's having with Johnny about, uh, he, so, you know, even talking about Daniel with Johnny or, you right. know, uh, just great stuff. Uh, and uh, I, I just was thinking like, wow, they really had to kind of like uh, write more about this character than was originally uh, uh, even sketched out in part two. I mean – you know, so uh, kudos. (laughs) I guess that's all I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Well, as usual, take full credit for everything. (laughs)
0: Uh, How about uh, Mike Barnes? Like what, what went into, were there different ideas of what your idea of what Mike Barnes was going to be up to in the, the modern day?
1: Uh, you know, I probably had some ideas of my own, but again, the, the showrunners came in with you know a pretty strong idea coming into the season, which is okay. sort of what they do usually with the big swings. You know, they have their own discussions beforehand and, and let us know where the the story stands in their minds, and we go from there. Um, but I think the the objective, in a you know in a broader sense, for everything that uh, involves bringing in a legacy character back from the movies, is to subvert expectations, and so yeah again you know you see that that's what was done with him and um and just kind of trying to play with expectations with his his opening lines where it looks like he's still you know a devious evil asshole and it turns out he's just <laughs> just, just talking furniture
2: yeah just doing just business
0: chopping yeah. up bodies and throwing them in his trunk who knows yeah <laughs> i have a mike
2: My... question actually now that oh, yeah. i think of it. uh in the final episode during the fight he gets knocked out real quick was that uh due to logistics or was that written that way
1: Uh, It was written that way. And and I think the impetus there was just that we wanted to have a big, um, you know, Johnny versus the world sort of thing where he is, you know, almost at uh, almost at the end of the line, sort of until he sees the, you know, he gets inspiration from the picture of the ultrasound. But it was the idea that we wanted to take, um, you know, we wanted to have silver versus chosen one on one. Yeah. You want to have Johnny against these five, uh, you know, senseis that have been brought in from God knows where all corners of the earth.
0: Video um, games. Right. I, I think the guy are, with the patch yeah. is a video game character, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, part-time pirate, all that yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just, we needed to take, you know, we wanted them together because the, the way that they get there obviously involves um, Barnes, but mm. wanted to take them off the board for a, a stretch of time in order to give us the, you know, the layout of, of who was yeah. left and what those stories were.
2: Yeah. It makes sense to focus on, you know, the more important characters. I was just wondering if the actor couldn't be there for the full day or something, or if that was the plan, but yeah, no, it makes no, sense. Then, that it was the plan too. There's a yeah, lot to no, get through in that there, episode.
1: <laughs> there, I mean, there was so much to get through and there's so much that got left on the cutting room floor, whether it was literally shot or, you know, while we we're in the writing process, just because that story could have been you know, an hour and 15 minutes if we included all the beats that we wanted, but we were already kind of pushing it at 45 or whatever it ended up being.
0: Are there any, uh, beats that are missing? I mean, you got to open the door there (laughs) like that, that you, that, you know, could have been fun or you wish got in there or you're glad that got cut out. Well, I, I
1: mean, it all works when stuff gets cut out because everything, you know, it's nice to have that boundary of a certain amount of time, even though we keep, uh, you know, expanding that. Um, but it's just nice to have uh, limitations, So you, you, trim all the fat and you just, you're left with, you know, everything that's essential. Yeah. But um, the stuff that's cut out, I don't want to, I don't want to, oh, yeah. because it may come back. Yeah. Yeah. There's all these ideas that have happened in previous seasons that got cut for time or space or whatever that eventually became, you know, beats or storylines unto themselves later. So I feel like I'd be venturing into spoiler territory. If I, uh, if I went
0: down that road, like yeah. when, like, hillary swank shows up on a security camera or something like and like who's that <laughs> just but, like okay. that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay here's a really nerdy question uh when johnny nearly falls for the phishing scam over the phone he says his mother's maiden name is brown and we know bobby's uh from the cobra kai is his last name is brown funny enough So does that mean that oh, johnny yeah. and bobby are related <laughs>
1: You know, I did not pick up on that, and I'm not sure anyone else did in our writer's <laughs> room either. So, uh, the fuck, I don't know.
2: <laughs>
1: they are now. That's a definite. Yeah.
0: That's a definite. They're, no. they're cousins.
1: They could be. I mean, the Valley is very incestuous. We know that. <laughs>
0: that's true. All right, Uh right. Let's get into this one. Okay, so I got to say, after I watched it, I shouted it out on the podcast extreme measures is probably my favorite episode of Cobra Kai. I, I, I amazing, yeah. amazing episode. Uh, just uh, Daniel, how much he goes through uh, really hitting bottom, losing his shit on stingray. Just uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm just a big Daniel LaRusso fan. So when he, when Ralph gets a little extra meat to chew on, I'm, I'm there for it. So like, yeah. I wasn't sure, like, uh, you know how much was uh ralph involved in any of this or uh you know how how did it how did that uh get crafted i mean you know know, it's it's his
1: he was there first obviously before any of us and and it it is his um you know his purview to weigh in on stuff and he does to a certain extent um i know that again we're talking about my pay grade but i know he has discussions with the showrunners before every season about what they're thinking and what his arc for the season will be and you know, at that point, we don't have everything mapped out, obviously, so it's a bit loose. And, uh, you know, he certainly has input on all of that. And then, of course, he has input, you know, as we're going into each individual episode as well. But, you know, as far as the story breaking process, I think the um, the the big sort of fence posts of his arc for the season were mapped out beforehand. So, it, you know, once we get into the writers room, it's kind of just up to us to sort of fill in the details um and that's just us you know like there's obviously reactions and feedback from a number of different places but that's typically just the the showrunners deciding what ideas from the room they like and what they don't and then you know kind of holding everything down to um you know finer point um so as far as as how much he was involved in you know the big swings of that arc i couldn't tell you i'm sure you know he was involved to a large extent but those discussions uh they don't filter down to the co-executive producers.
0: They stay at the executive <laughs> producer level. Well, I just got done reading uh, his book and uh, you know, I could tell it is, you know, it really, I, it's not just him. It's probably any actor. that gets handed a script like that and goes, okay, now I got something real good to, to, to chew on, you know, so to speak. Um, uh, speaking of chewing, was the episode sponsored by Olive Garden?
1: Uh <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny you say that because we got a lot of notes about not wanting it to look like an olive garden commercial um which was I mean I guess fair uh, I don't you know those discussions are not uh of any interest to me at all when it comes down to the, the corporate side of things but um right. we we did get noted to death on you know how to how to write that how to shoot that how to edit that to make sure it didn't look like an olive garden commercial but we um we we wanted to make sure it was uh you know a place that Johnny would would actually try to take these kids to that feels like a you know a bit of a a bit of a nice spot in Johnny's
0: in his worldview. Yeah. yeah, when you're there, um, your family. I mean, that's, exactly. where would you bring your sons well,
1: to? <laughs> well, exactly. That was the thematic undercurrent of it. um And we also used a uh, the waiter that was cast is actually a waiter who works at a very nice Italian restaurant in Atlanta. And I forget his name and the restaurant's name right now, but the showrunners have been eating there since season one. Oh. and know this guy quite well. Like he's always their waiter when they go in and he's got this whole spiel that's somewhat like what, you know, what you saw on the show. <laughs> um, awesome. So he had to, you know, he had to send in a tape and get approved and all that. But uh, it was pretty fun to see him because we went out once to this restaurant when I was there as well. So I'd met him beforehand. And heard the stories and, and saw how much the guys loved them, and so it was cool that you know he got to be our waiter in the Olive Garden, which not That's as high end an Italian restaurant as his you know a normal job, but uh, <laughs> that, still a pretty nice right. spot to take a couple of estranged kids to. <laughs> uh,
0: and I got to say, really a genius way to bring Robin Lively into the show. Finally, just the fact that just setting her up as Amanda's cousin uh was just a genius like oh of course we don't really know amanda's background how perfect is it that you know we have right. her as amanda's cousin and having her kind of explain what's what terry silver's about i mean i don't
2: i don't think that was ever like you know predicted you know there's always fan theories about no. how could they bring you know robin lively back in i don't think i never heard that one so the one that you guys came up with <laughs> i yeah. liked it yeah yeah uh,
1: and i i I guess I'll take credit for that one too, even though it definitely wasn't me. Um, <laughs> I think that might've been the, the showrunners, but like every legacy character that hadn't been used yet has been discussed, you know, at length in previous seasons. So I'm sure that I came out of the room from somewhere and there's always the question of like, is it too small world um, yeah. or yeah. or is it just the right size world? And in this case, it just felt like there, there wasn't some, you know, better idea on the table of how to, bring, how to bring her back. And it does make some sort of sense that, you know, she would have because uh, it's not like she ever dated Daniel. Right, you know, they were just friends. Um, so we uh, we felt like it was you know just the right amount of uh, coincidence to fly.
2: Now and I'm trying to think of which characters could come back, and I'd be like, no, that's too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, Freddie Fernandez. I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't there's, know. All, there's
1: always these theories, like in previous seasons, that you know Barnes was Tori's dad and things like that. It yeah, just felt, right, like, yeah, a little that- too
0: convenient. The parental reveals are probably the biggest ones that get uh, harped on, uh, on the internet. But yeah, I, we were even talking, you know, when we covered Karate Kid 3 on this, on this podcast, like, how do you like, okay, so uh, Miguel uh, signs up for pottery somewhere or, uh, you know, Samantha <laughs> is mountain climbing and now who is her guide? But you know, <laughs> Jessica, right. But uh, yeah, but it, it, it seems actually more realistic to be like, Oh, uh you're going out to California. Hey, look up this friend of mine. He's a real nice guy. He'll probably help you out, you know? Um, right. So perfect. Um and gotta say, really geeked out when I realized that the uh mean girl in the bar was the <laughs> unseen but much talked about Elizabeth Ann Rooney from uh part three. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure all the Karate Kid three fans out there have had that. Question lingering in their minds for thirty some years now. So <laughs> happy to <laughs> Yeah, and she was great. It was it was a fun day to shoot for sure.
0: Uh, so you were there for some of the, uh, the shooting of this episode? Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I was there for the shooting of both uh, five and ten, and then little bits and pieces of some other episodes. But we actually moved the whole writers' room to Atlanta, where the show was shot for a couple of months, um, because this was the first year that we shot concurrent with the the writers' room. Previously, the writer's room was always wrapped before production started. Uh-huh. But we we had a two-month or so overlap this year. So everyone got to be on set for at least a little bit, which was pretty cool. And, wow. a, and a rare occurrence these days. And, you know, television in general you know, it used to be much more common. But nowadays, it's a different ballgame. So uh, so that was cool. And I get to stay on until the end and, and be there for episode 10 as well, which was pretty awesome to
0: see. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um. Oh, okay. So uh, the uh, the bar scene, uh, was there any consideration to, instead of Sam saving the day to have suddenly Amanda bust out some uh, some moves? No,
1: although I'm sure, that, I'm sure that pissed off Courtney a little bit because she wants to <laughs> do some karate. Um, at least she claims to, but I never know when to take her seriously. Um, but no, we thought it was, you know, storyline wise because Sam had just kind of um, decided that she was done with karate. So it felt like a nice way to bring her back into it. Yeah. Um, although oh, yeah. I, I do, wow. I do believe just knowing uh, Courtney a little bit that she could probably win a bar fight or two if she had.
0: to. <laughs> <laughs> For right now, she's karate adjacent, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with a curtsy. Yeah. <laughs> uh How much of a fan of Young Guns are you? It was a big Young Guns escape room that Johnny sets up in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: I, it's not like I have those posters on my wall, but um, I remember loving those movies when I was a kid when they came out uh Young Guns 2 especially because of the Bon Jovi soundtrack um, yes but yeah we uh the escape room thing came up in the writer's room and it was it was I think it was Joe Piruli who pitched it um and I, I don't know anything about escape rooms other than they exist like I've never been to one so I had to look up you know like research a little bit how how one would do an escape room in their own home and all I like i was banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how to make this pitch work and almost had abandoned it because it was it just seemed too, too silly and then happened upon the you know the necessity of a theme and uh, one that I saw was kind of like an old western jail and I was like well that kind of fits and then the young guns thing <laughs> fell into place so that was another <laughs> fun one the the um you know the the art Department and the set design team did a really nice job with his do-it-yourself, you know, arts and crafts. That, the bear cactus. Ca- ca- that cactus yeah. was
0: great. Yeah, it was <laughs> great.
1: Yeah,
2: I love how we got uh, Miguel's
0: grandmother involved. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's always fun.
0: And that you got Blaze of Glory in there too. So wow.
1: Yeah, uh, that was another fight, as I recall. I think just budgetarily, it's you know, certain songs are more expensive than others.
0: So but
1: we had written it specifically with that song playing. And then we played that song on set to make it work. And it made everyone laugh as as we were doing it because it was so absurd. And it just, it sounds right as he's telling the tale, you know, it's got like a yeah. narrative backdrop vibe to it. Um, but I remember it was going to cost an arm and a leg and they were, you know, they were pushing back against us using it. And the guys, the showrunners, you know, were pretty adamant that uh, it had to be that or nothing. So right. I'm, happy, I'm happy you made it in.
0: Yeah, that entire like John Bon Jovi wrote an entire like soundtrack, right, which <laughs> is all about Young Guns. Uh, yeah, which right. is
1: so weird. Like, I don't think many any westerns had at the time had contemporary music. I mean, they had, had score, but I think it was all meant to sound old timey. Um, and I'm probably forgetting some movies that that did it. Like, I'm now remembering that Butch and Sundance had uh, uh, Ray, Ray Dropsky. Drops falling on my head. Yeah, so I guess yeah. it wasn't the first, but it was the first. It felt like an MTV Western. Yeah, you know? for
0: sure. Yeah, even <laughs> John Bon Jovi gets blown away in that in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Uh, so we, so we, you know, if you're bored at all and like, you want to collaborate with us on Young Guns Minute, you know, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> <It> sounds amazing. <laughs> um, oh I, Yeah, I, I absolutely love this. Uh, the line from uh, Daniel, what happened to the strike first badass? Do I need to kick his ass to wake him up or was that just one tournament loss? All it took to turn you into a pussy. Did, did you write that line? Because that was wow. Uh, I think so. But uh, <laughs> it's such a, it's such oh, a collaborative
1: sport, you know, that, that may have come up in the room or it may have been rewritten. It feels like me, but I can't guarantee you anything.
0: I was writing. I was waiting for another TV to get dislodged from the wall for, <laughs> over that one. But it was yeah,
1: cool... well, we saved that for the uh, the limo, and then the, the finale. Another TV breaks as well.
0: Right. <laughs> it was great though, because it like all of a sudden now Johnny's being the reasonable one, and and Daniel's the hothead. You know, really. Yeah, that, out that was
2: him. very satisfying to see. Was uh, yeah, Johnny not not taking the bait and being the bigger man, and so much character growth yeah. on all the characters in this season. I loved it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's nice when you find stuff. And I'm not taking credit for that either. I'm sure that came from, you know, the showrunners probably or somebody else in the room. Just that idea to flip their, you know, their their headspace. But um, it's nice when you can find stuff in the fifth season or more of a show that, you know, is surprising or different or just unends, uh, upends the balance of what you've established in some, mm-hmm. you know, new and interesting but still organic way.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, but Daniel and Johnny actually uh, do bring up an interesting perspective on the tournament. Like what if it wasn't limited to three points, uh, you know, and it, it's there to kind of set up the Miguel Robbie fight, but right. do you think that the karate kid would have prevailed in a street fight with Johnny classic in the original? No, <laughs> no <laughs> me neither. <laughs> no <way.
3: laughs> well, first
1: of all, Johnny's going to fight dirty. Yeah. So we, we know that. Um, <laughs> and if it's going to be, sort of rocky five finale yeah johnny every time apologies to to daniel and to ralph but uh i got (laughs) i got billy's after on that one
0: (laughs) i don't hear no bell johnny come on Yeah, Uh, daniel daniel would have prevailed he's the karate kid i mean come on all right so i guess i'm (laughs) a lot resilient you you might be right we
1: should we should think about maybe incorporating that into into our series finale (laughs) we'll just we'll just fade out as they're still fighting yes (laughs) i
0: mean that's pretty much how it should end it's just them slugging each other and it just slowly fades out yeah yeah um i was scared to death that miguel was going to send robbie over that railing uh during the big yellow fight uh especially with the the flashbacks they even had they even threw the musical callback for the, the the music that was playing during the school fight um but uh, no, I guess I, this thing is just like, thank you so much for getting these guys to finally bury the hatchet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that
1: was fun. Um, also, can't take credit for that idea. I'm sure it wasn't mine, but uh, you know, they had the set outside there that, that has that railing. Yeah. What we didn't have was a staircase um, mm-hmm. because normally nobody's going up to that second floor. And we also never had anyone coming out of any of the other apartments until just before that moment. So it was fun to kind of play with that a little bit, but it did cause some production headaches that they had to build a whole, you know, extra piece to that that we didn't have before. Um, But another piece that was really fun to watch being shot, you know, once it gets to that point, I'm not, I'm not really pulling the levers at all. I'm just there as an observer Mm -hmm. and every once in a while, giving my two cents, which uh, sometimes is appreciated, sometimes not. Um, But it was, it was (laughs) cool to watch, You know, you see a little bit of the choreography beforehand. The stunt guys will show you videos of them training and what the fight's going to look like, and you give your input, and the showrunners give their input, and then it gets honed down to what you see. But to watch the actual actors do most of that was pretty cool because they, you know... They're, they're obviously young and, and spongy and, you know, can do a lot of <laughs> yeah. stuff that a guy my age or older can't.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yet. I'm not, not going to
1: pump the tires too hard here, but they, they work pretty hard. All the kids do on looking authentic yeah. and, and making sure they can do most of the work. And, uh, and I think you see it, you know, it's, it's,
3: oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: it's nice
1: when you can see like Robbie's face or Miguel's face as things yes. are happening. And they're delivering the, you know, the action as well as the emotion.
2: But them, them as like almost brothers, the rest of the season is probably m- one of my favorite things to happen in the series. Like I love their new dynamic, but as a writer, is that harder for you? Like you, you're not like, they've been this one thing this whole time, but yeah. now there's something completely different. Is that exciting or is that, or is that harder?
1: Uh, I mean, conflict is always helpful, you know, yeah. when it's inherent, um, I I enjoy writing insults and antagonism probably a little bit more than heartfelt niceties, but um, Mm -hmm. it's like I was saying earlier, you get to a certain point in any show and things start to feel like repetitive or redundant. And so for them specifically going in that new direction just gave us material we'd never mined before. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think when they first meet in season one, they're already at odds and they never really you know there's no there's no comeback from that or there's no reversal of that until season five, so um it was nice to explore some new territory, which is always hard to find when even doing you know a show for this long.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, I got to say when Johnny revealed. Uh, the baby by mistake to the, and then the boys like both hug Johnny. Like I, I wept, I wept during that moment. I mean, it's just (laughs) really, really effective. It's just so good to see them all like together and, uh, how, uh, Robbie plays with that later by coming over and interrupting a conversation between him and, uh, Miguel and Johnny and acting all irritated then, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So I am so glad that Daniel got to fight, uh, Terry one-on-one this year. I mean, I know yeah. Ralph isn't a fan of part three, but like you can't dispute that Terry's head games with Daniel would have really scarred him. And I felt like that, would, that needed to be paid off a bit, a bit more. Yeah, the, the and that, that's
1: where we, that's the place we came from in season four, for sure, when Terry first gets reintroduced to Daniel, um, that, that it was a deeply felt and deeply held trauma for him that he's obviously been carrying. And, and seeing Terry again brings it all back up. Um, and again, not, not my, not my idea not my thing that I mapped out, but the, the notion of, um, having it all kind of happen again as an adult and and worse, uh, with the beating he takes in episode five, uh, is such a great low point to get Daniel to that we haven't really seen, um, in the series, not quite in that way. Uh, and it sets the table so nicely for, you know, the. The reemergence from the dark place, and
3: and the yeah.
1: um, the overcoming of his fears, and the the final victory with the crane kick and everything. I think he, with a lot of the characters and a lot of the the sort of the, the karate adjacent arcs, or the karate you know the, not adjacent, but the the, the karate centric arcs. Yeah, um, and with Johnny, same sort of thing. In in that final episode, we want to take him as low as we can within reason. Um, in order to bring up the desire within the audience to see them overcome it. And it's, sometimes it's hard to see, and I think it's hard for the actors to play sometimes being so defeated, but that's the setup that gives you the bigger payoff, I think.
0: And and just the way it all ends with them all coming to Daniel's side at his bedside almost, and uh, uh, Miguel and Robbie finally to get it together, and when we find out that Chris and Tori orchestrated the whole uh, newspaper clipping, like, this is what like a mid season finale should be. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, if it was on network TV, I would say like, that would be a, like a nice hiatus after that to get, to, you know, really stirred the fans up after that. I, I I'm sure, but uh, it's on Netflix and people just hit the next one, but I've got to say that yeah, was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, do you, okay. So how about the, um, uh, d- did you know anything about the whole, uh, de-aging Billy Zabka, uh, No, I I just know
1: that uh, it was an idea that was proposed and then wondered about as far as how accomplishable it was. And then the discussions beyond that went to, you know, the people who were expert in that area. And I think even up until they saw the final product, there was probably still some some doubt or concern on the part of the, the big wheels as to how hokey it might look. But that technology has apparently improved so drastically that even a show like us can afford it. (laughs) <laughs> um and make it look pretty decent i mean i was i didn't see it uh until the final product and i was pretty impressed you know I'd i think it looked it better than
2: well. luke skywalker in season two of the mandalorian <laughs>
1: yeah i don't disagree i i think yeah. maybe maybe we learned from their mistakes uh, luke <laughs> skywalker walked so johnny lawrence could run
3: you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, how did, uh, do you know i I'm not sure if it, that's more of a higher up conversation, but just, I wonder what Billy, uh, thought when he first, uh, heard this idea and, and learned that he was going to be de-aged, uh, you know, in this I, I don't
1: know specifically, but, uh, from what little I, you know, could glean from Billy from working with him a bit here and there is that he's pretty game for anything and just kind of goes along with a lot of it because it is all pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he may have had reservations too about how it was going to look and how, how close they would get to, you know, the, the teen idol he used to be, but I'm sure he <laughs> was quite happy with the result as well. I can't speak for him by any stretch, but uh, I just think it was so well done that, you know,
0: it, it would great. be it yeah. would
1: probably be a bittersweet thing. I mean, if I saw somebody DH me 20 or 30 years, I'd probably, you know, think that's awesome, but also goddamn, I'm old now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, okay, there's a flashback uh, to 1980 with uh, young Crease and Young Silver, and we also see young uh, Sensei Kim. Crease uh, gives a little a uh, little wink to her. I, I I just wonder if this is could this imply that maybe the two of them might end up working together next season? That maybe Crease has more of her respect than uh, Terry Silver does. She kind of gets a little tired of Terry towards the end. She
2: she looks disappointed when she first arrives that he's not there. Yeah.
1: Well, as season 6 is not yet written and shot, uh, <laughs> I can't tell you anything for sure, but I feel like that is an astute observation on your part.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. I thought that was, oh, that might be something that was put in there, but uh, yeah. but it could be just him being nice to a kid, you know. like Crease was a, a nice young guy at one point before he turned into this the twisted madman that he is now. But right. sometimes you're still rooting for him at times. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs>
1: that's that's the Crease the magic.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. encapsulated it. Uh, okay, so Karate Kid and Cobra Kai stories—they all work towards some sort of big fight. Uh, we have the All Valley, we have another All Valley, and now you need a bigger tournament instead of doing right. the All Valley for number three. Uh, right. So what went into? You guys got to do Is- like
2: Kumite from Bloodsport next, right?
0: <laughs> Is Sekai I mean- Tekai the, the Kumite? <laughs> There's certainly been mention
1: of the Kumite many times in the room, as, <laughs> as you could tell from our, uh, you know, our inclusion of Bloodsport and. In- yeah or i think yeah the, the van Damme era is is uh, a heavy influence on at least a few of us so mm-hmm. um but yeah the the idea of making something bigger as far as our, our big final tournament was certainly discussed a lot and um felt necessary because like you said uh after two all valleys it feels like yeah. a third all valley might feel like small potatoes so why not make it all the valleys of the world? Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know what that's going to look like because we didn't really get too, too far, at least with the, you know, the entirety of the writers room present uh, in terms of what season six would be and, and what kind of uh, what kind of scope that tournament would have. But mm-hmm. I know that the the showrunners have been discussing it on their own time. Uh, I've heard some, some trickles of ideas and stuff like that. And it's certainly going to be influenced by, you know, the... Um, that era of movies, not just uh, Van Damme stuff, but like Best of the Best and anything that goes international like that. I mean, Rocky IV is an obvious one that we've – that's a well we've gone to many, many times, so I'm, I'm sure
0: we'll keep tapping it. Of course, shoot, fight, or fight to the death. I mean, have you Of seen course. It? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and and yeah i mean maybe you know we're we're getting uh more of the f-bombs in this season maybe next season is going to be even more bloodier you know uh like i i even was wondering when, when the silver bullet was set up that this was going to turn into some sort of molar ram uh heart extraction <laughs> move <laughs>
3: you're right
0: <laughs> or at least cause some sort of cardiac arrest uh did you guys think that it might be Something used for something other than Kenny to use against Hawk. I, it, it, Terry was trying to do that to Daniel in the finale, right? That yeah. Was, if if Terry hit Daniel with
2: me. that, is Daniel RIP? Uh, your mind, I or is it just I knocked knocked the wind out of him?
1: I think it's just a, a precursor to having a huge advantage. It would have taken Daniel down and out, and from that point, I mean, Silver seems like a guy who might be capable of murder i don't know i mean mm. there was a big crowd there so hopefully somebody would have jumped in and stopped him before he yeah. ripped his throat out uh <laughs>
3: style but um <laughs> I,
1: I think it was meant to be more uh debilitating the way you saw it um yeah. with hawk and with robbie in the in the uh, big dojo fight at the
2: end i was very very scared for hawk the first time that happened yeah oh my god I was yeah like, oh
0: god. yeah um And and speaking of Rocky IV, has there been any uh, or have you heard of any response from the Stallone camp about all these Rocky references? Uh, Like, I'm waiting for Tulsa King to make a Cobra Kai uh, uh, reference, you know? He deserves to pay it back.
1: I'm supposed to have dinner with Sly right after this. Um, oh, good, good. But, no, I, know, he, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's talked to the showrunners. I mean, he certainly wouldn't talk to me, even though it'd be a great conversation for him and I'd highly recommend it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple of us went to see while we were filming season five, we went to see the Rocky four uh, reedit.
0: Oh yeah, and, I did too. Yeah.
1: And so when they did that, like live simulcast in the theaters, they did that 20 minute Q and a from the Philadelphia screening. And uh, the interviewer asked him about any plans to do like a Rocky prequel or something like that, or more stuff in the Rocky universe. And, and Sylvester Sloan mentioned, uh, you know, Rocky's early days type story and did name drop Cobra Kai as an example of a, you know, show that did it really well. Oh, nice. Didn't say that he was going to call them, you know, the people responsible <laughs> for Cobra Kai for input or, uh, <laughs> or a job offer, but did give us a little shout out nationwide. Right. So that was fun
2: speaking of like continuations we were just talking about this in the previous episode we recorded cuz i guess ralph macchio in his newest book he mentioned that like i think one of their favorite ideas for like a spin off of this is young miyagi like yeah. so I, this is all speculative uh, but if if something like that ever happened how would you want it to would you want it to feel like more cobra kai or would you want to go in a different direction like i was saying I'd like want I would want that to be like a HBO drama or something, a young Miyagi. Yeah. Like completely different totally.
1: Uh you know, I get that. And and that is probably where I'd go as well. Um mm. and the guys have talked a lot about, you know, expanding the the Cobra Kai universe, which I think they call the Miyagi verse. Mm. Uh so there may be plans afoot in that direction. Um, and I would be very interested to see it. And I think given the information we have that is canon about his life before he got to America. And once he got to America,
3: mm-hmm. it
1: would be hard to do it as a more of a comedy, the way that Cobra Kai is. I mean, yeah. he was always a very funny character. So I'm sure there would be levity, you know, within yeah. the drama or I would, you know, I would hope so anyway, because that is mm-hmm. uh, core to the, the character that they established in the first movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I would think it would be a little more serious and a little more just because the subject matter around, you know how they structure that character's backstory in the movies is so heavy. Uh, you know, I don't know that you can do like a Hogan's heroes type internment camp comedy.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, really. so
1: you'd want it to be something a little more serious and a little more, um, just, just have a bit of a different scope. I would think given that it's period and, and has some, uh, historical relevance and all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. I would love to see that. Um, that's like the favorite idea for like the creators and Ralph, but, you personally, do you have like a, 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 spin spinoff idea you'd like to do? I don't know. I mean, they, they talk about it sometimes as, as a, um, a bit of an
1: open field that anyone can throw an idea out into. And I've never dedicated a whole lot of time to it. Um, you know, I remember the era where shows like Say by the Bell tried to do the college years or <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210, you know, some of those high school shows that tried to transition and it was never done particularly well in in my estimation. It always felt clunky. Um, And so maybe I just have that little wall in my brain about that's, you know, high school show should stay in high school, Mm -hmm. but there's so much fodder. um, I think within that universe initially and what's been created with Cobra Kai, uh, you know, since the movies that there's an infinite number of variables. Uh, I think a big factor too is probably you know what the the actors who play the kids are moving on to because you you may not be able to do a show centered on Miguel because now he's a DC superhero, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I kind of like the idea of uh, of something that. Involves like a character you've seen one time, uh, you know, who like Freddie Fernandez. Freddie yeah. Fernandez, <laughs> and he just just like Like what? Where did he get that T-shirt? And yeah, what was you know how much was bacon does he make? Yeah. What, what was his What was his reaction to? He's a pig his, farmer now. Yeah. Yeah, and he meets he meets Daniel for a second, watches him get his ass kicked. And yeah. it doesn't really. I mean, he may have ended up on the cutting room floor or elsewhere, but he, he's not in the movie otherwise until I think he's in the crowd at the end. Yeah, you know, yeah, mistaken. and he's
0: one of the people holding Daniel up for sure. Right. Well, so, oh, now I'm you guys show him. up. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, I would, call it I would fair weather friends.
1: What, <laughs> what he was up to in the meantime, and if he tried to like monetize Daniel's success in the
0: aftermath, <laughs> <or laughs> yeah, falling out
1: because of it. You know, you see he's him like at the like Cobra like Pauly to Daniel's Rocky, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see him at the Cobra Kai merch counter, handing out uh, shakes. And yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> Robin, before we continue, I just want to be considerate of your time. Are, are you still good? Or
0: like, how much time? Oh more? yeah. Okay. Okay. But speaking of Polly though, like, can I say it was really weird to have Daniel Larusso, Johnny Lawrence, and Chosen Teguchi singing "Eye of the Tiger" together? Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh yeah. Why do you think that was
1: weird? Oh, uh, I was just like.
0: I was like, I don't know. I wanted them to sing uh, "You're the Best Around" or uh, "Cruel Summer." They're saving that. They're know. saving that for the perfect moment.
1: Well, the, the <laughs> thing about—I mean, we we got a lot of questions. Uh, well, I didn't, but I heard there were questions online from um, from people about what was a song that Carrie Underwood sang um, in season four oh, at the tournament.
0: was uh, a moment of truth.
1: Yeah. So that's—I should no—I wrote that. Um, but uh, that was in. You know, the, the end credits of the first movie. Yeah. So there were questions about, like, how, how this universe works. Did everyone in the movie see The Karate Kid and watch the credits? And that's why the song's meaningful to them. And sure. I think, I don't, don't want to speak for the showrunners, but my answer was just, like, whatever, shut up, you know?
3: <laughs> um,
1: but with you the Best Around, I think you'll hear it. I, I don't want to give anything away, but I think you'll hear it in season six. Ooh, um, okay. And it's also such a, like, that is a soundtrack song. So that would have felt, a little too meta, I think. If they were singing to that yeah. one, but it, you mean it wasn't
2: diegetic? Like, the characters—it was being pumped into the stadium in the <laughs> tournament. The characters. I don't believe ears. so. I don't believe so. <laughs>
1: um, but you know, the story with that song, right? you with oh, you, the I best Around Tiger? and that song.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. That it was originally made for. Wait, no. Uh, you're the best. For Rocky we, Three. For Rocky Three, yeah. Yeah, and
1: they—I think they didn't—they didn't think it worked, and so then they commissioned I, the Tiger, instead, which did. Um, and then you're the best around, sat on the shelf or whatever, until Karate Kid came around and they were like, hey, we'll take that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, there is a meta, you know, connection there for sure. And when it's you also guys an song it... that those guys would love, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, Cho- when... I don't know where Chosen heard it, but he was pretty into American style culture when yeah. he was in Okinawa back in the day. so. I'm, I'm sure he watched Rocky three in theaters with all of his little, uh, you know, gang buddies that, in, in between tearing up gardens and beating up old people. Yeah,
2: when when uh, Cobra Kai does end up using best around, I hope they they recontextualize the the line "history repeats itself" like in a way that makes sense for the series because that did not make sense for the yeah. first karate kid movie. It well, makes sense for Rocky they, 3, but right. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that they already knew even way back then that eventually there would be a Cobra Kai series some 35 years later. Exactly. <laughs> We're just planning ahead.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh when uh okay, when Terry talks to Johnny and Carmen in the hospital elevator, are we to think that there was some other reason he was there other than get them alone in a public place? And again, that's like uh super dirty, probably giving away too much by getting a straight answer question, but
1: well, I think I, I'm trying to remember what's actually in the show. Um, but yeah, let's just say, yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> like, Johnny, he Johnny thinks hospital? he's there to mess with him and, and Sarah Silver claims like, no, I'm just here. And you know, he... Did you say Sarah Silver? Sarah yeah, Silver yeah. mentioned Sarah Silver.
0: The show. Terry Silver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's his long lost cousin. <laughs> That's his
2: original
1: last name is Silverman. He just changed it. Um, yeah, to right. you know, Ward off anti-Semitism in his business career.
0: Makes sense. So they're
1: actually related. That's canon. You can write that down.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Writing it down. Um, all right. We should start wrapping it up, but I, I definitely wanted to talk about the season finale, Head of the Snake. I mean, I got, I got to say, and I went, I went through this in the discussion with Matt, when we talked about the episode. Uh, and I hope you'd ever listen to our podcast. Cause that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> um, so, I I did get super upset with you and and the rest of the writers when I actually thought that you killed Kreese off and then you killed Chosen off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you kidding me? Both of them? Like legacy characters, how dare you? Um yeah. was there any discussion of actually killing either of them off?
1: I don't think so. Um I'm trying to remember there, there was definitely discussion of graver wounds, uh, to chosen. And I don't want to, I don't want to speak at a turn too much, but, uh, let's just say the, the more, um,
2: I mean, the sword looked like it severed his spine or something.
1: yeah well luckily it was just a a flesh wound as he said um but the original idea from i don't want to give it away but one of the showrunners who whose ideas are you know sometimes a little bit out there and and very imaginative (laughs) was that chosen would get stabbed by two swords like the fangs of a cobra kind of like through his torso oh Uh, and my point was uh so he's dead and they're like no no and (laughs) I said, yeah, yeah, for sure, he's dead. Two swords through his torso. You're not coming back from that. And obviously, TV and movies take a lot of liberties with what yeah. people can survive. Mm. But that that felt a bit arch to me. And in fairness, a lot of things feel a bit arch to me. And I'm often proven wrong in terms of you know stuff that we. That we do put in the show that the fans love, and I thought was absurd and ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> in this case, I was quite happy that it just ended up being something that you could buy the logic a little more uh, solidly on that that chosen survived and could appear in the um, you know in the final scene with just a, a weird bandage, uh, his shirt way, yeah. around his. Uh, his but a
2: scratch. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, you get you could ask my girlfriend. I was standing up, yelling at the TV, going, "He just cut him in the back. That's not a death wound. What what is going on here?" <laughs> and and the, yeah. you know, playing my way uh, for Crease, and I'm like, "Oh my but, god, you're playing my way. It's, he's going to go on his way." Now you guys way. have set the president President Pre-
2: that that uh, precedent precedent that no one ever dies. So if you actually, actually do kill someone, it's going to it's going to shock extra.
1: <laughs> well, we, we do like to subvert expectations. So. <laughs> I mean, I think at this point we've done all we can with Mitch. <laughs> <It's time> for <laughs> Mitch
0: to go. Yeah, honestly, that was one of the biggest surprises of the of the finale was that all of a sudden he's like a turncoat. And then it's just right. like, oh, of course. Yeah. You can only be called, uh, what is it, penis breath or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, right. so many times well uh, I'll admit
3: that,
1: that's one of the that's one of the ideas that didn't come from me that I disagreed with when I heard it I, just, I thought it was just uh, you know unjustified um, but for all those reasons uh, those are the reasons that John I think it was mostly John Hurwitz uh, who was kind of advocating for it and some of the other writers And it, it's those were his reasons those are the reasons that, that landed and people bought it and it was a funny scene
3: and he's you know uh,
1: he's a fun actor to work with and I thought him and, and Kyler, you know their little interaction when he uh, when he flips sides was great.
3: Yeah, and it just yeah.
1: the the thing we were looking for was how do the Cobra Kai kids know the the Miyagi fan kids are there, and no other idea was better. You know, And mm, sometimes the, that's how you, you end up down. with stuff that that works in other ways and adds more depth to different things. Is just you have to shoot something soon. You have to get a script in, and it's the best idea on the table, even if not everyone is entirely sold it ends up working and it also gives you like little bits of flavor and comedy or just, you know, other dynamics that, uh, that can inform his character and possibly carry forward into next season with a little bit of conflict and fodder for, you know, some of the characters that we don't focus on as much, but that we also love giving material to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Such as the the twins or not twins, the brothers, (laughs) the reds, redheaded brothers. Yes. Yeah. Fan theory confirmed, yeah.
1: Well, that that was another one. These are all, like, I'm just shitting on myself now, but that's the way I work. Um, Another one where the guys were like, well, yeah, we'll we'll confirm that they're brothers. And I was like, that's stupid. Why? Because they both have red hair? Like, red hair is related? And, you know, kind of went down the road of, like, you guys read your own Twitter feeds too much just because people are theorizing it doesn't mean you should put it in the show. And of course it worked great, and the two actors were fantastic and, and loved, you know, having that, uh, that confirmed, but also having a bit of a, a, a interaction between them. And so it, it, it all worked out great, which is all to say for any um, aspiring TV writers out there that uh, you can still have a job and be successful even when you're wrong almost all the time. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, you might have another career, uh, which is uh, acting. Oh, we have to talk about your your <laughs> evening of filming. Like, what was your motivation in playing one of the rednecks that uh, Daniel picks a fight with? <laughs> Did you write the uh, part I, with yourself in mind? or My
1: motivation was not to giggle on camera. <laughs> uh, and um, just it felt like if I was going to insert myself in the background of anything, it might as well be... In a in a role in which I could wear mostly my own wardrobe, um, <laughs> and the funny thing was, I uh, I asked for a cut off shirt, like sleeveless shirt, because I you know I'd been I'd been trying to exercise a bit, and I thought I thought I'm doing all right. Let me show the, the pipes off. Yeah. And the guy that st- the guy that has lines, the you know redneck number one, standing in front of me, of course, is super jacked. So I look like <laughs> you know a cancer patient next to him. But uh, the worst of it was, and I. It's my greatest shame is that on the day the director, Joel Navoa, who's fantastic, um, said, Why don't you throw one of the beer cans in the back of the truck at the car as it's it's speeding away at the cobra mobile? And I said, That sounds great. I used to play little league. I can I can rock the fire, no worries. And I just I don't know why, but I in my head the can was gonna be full. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was empty. And so that plus just uh, i don't know being in my own head about something i should never have given a shit about in the first place <laughs> resulted in one of the worst throws of anything <laughs> they could have fixed that in post for you. or actual history yeah, they should have fixed it in post they had an <laughs> asshole which i didn't get to do by the way which is bullshit oh that wasn't you no no <laughs> they have like loop groups so they don't have to pay an actor an actor rate
0: oh. it's like a cheaper way to do it
1: but I would have done it for free and not told anyone except you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I, I felt betrayed. Nobody, <laughs> nobody spent a few bucks to make that can look like it got launched
2: 200 feet.
0: I mean, they pulled young Johnny off and they couldn't like make you throw a big, you know, like a really far I off can. Yeah. So it,
2: honestly, it, the can like, just goes flying. It breaks the window in the back of the car. Yeah.
1: I could I could have made that shot. And, and my only goal, to be honest, for next year is to somehow work myself in to the show again, throwing another <laughs> beer can that's this time full, so I can redeem myself. I don't care who it hits. What Maybe if you were just almost over by then?
0: What <laughs> if you were just throwing a full can of uh, Coors Banquet to Johnny? He catches it and pops it open and says, "Thanks, Bob." Good throw. I, I think that'd be great, but I
1: need great to throw, throw. It hard. <laughs> and uh, you could you could cut it. You know, so that it looks like he just reaches out and catches it because he's so badass. But I need to put some heat on that thing, you know?
0: Okay, if there was one character in Cobra Kai that you wish you could throw a full beer can at, which one would it be?
1: Uh, character or actor? Or writer. No, no. Ca-
0: ca- character, you won't make it personal. <laughs>
1: Who deserves, Which character deserves it the most?
0: <laughs> just a
1: beer can in the back of the head. Oh, pr- probably, probably Brox. Although he's already taken... <laughs> Oh, a real Oh like vicious beating and i don't want to yeah. i mean i'm not i'm trying to give anything away here but you talk about character deaths we don't know if Brock survived that's true he was
2: beaten to? out of the show yeah. yeah
1: yeah uh maybe the guy who um the guy at silver's brunch who tells creasy has a habsburg jawline or whatever it is <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I, might, I might huck a beer can in him
0: yeah okay all right yeah well you know uh i i I'm not gonna try to jinx it, but you know I will say I' probably be the first one to email you when you get that vote for the best uh guest actor a- Emmy uh, right. coming your way uh, I'm
1: very excited for that you <laughs> uh
0: so what goes into orchestrating uh these multi prong uh final battles like the one in the finale like how much uh stage direction do you give in in the in the script or are you just kind of like and they fight <laughs>
1: uh
0: Somewhere in between like the full scope
1: and, and just writing they fight. I mean you try to give um a story beats is what we're always told. Like just try to, you know, give the rhythm of the fight and um if there is going to be a moment where it looks like somebody is on top or somebody almost dies, or, you know, when chosen um pulls out the uh the I can't remember what it's called, but the, the um pressure point technique oh, yeah. in the sword room, things like that that will then motivate Harry picking up a sword so that, you know, he doesn't just pick up a sword out of the blue. Uh, those are typically discussed and written into the script. And then our stunt team is phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's Ken Barthel and Don Lee, and they do such an amazing job. So when they, when they see the script, they, um, they know, obviously there's a lot of blanks to fill in. So they fence post what we've written and then they fill in those blanks and they do what's called a pre where they just tape it with their phones and the stunt performers, you know, doing all the choreography and they show it to us, in the, in the show and the showrunners give their feedback, as I said before, and you try to hone it down from there. but our perspective is almost always with the exception of somebody like Hayden um, our perspective is almost always coming from the story space of what's the rhythm of the fight, who do we want up and down at any given moment? you know how do we want it to end that sort of thing but As far as the the moves themselves, I mean, I've gone down an internet rabbit hole a couple times trying to figure out what things are called just so the script looks right. But all I know about karate, uh, I learned from Karate Kid. So (laughs) same. pretty minimal, pretty minimal, but um, you just try to give them the, the shape of it and then they come up with everything that's cool and awesome within the shape of it. Yeah. And it's it's a the same way I was talking about story wise how it's you know it's hard season five to come up with new shit. Yeah. they have that challenge times ten because they've done so many fights with so many moves and
3: mm-hmm. they
1: they have a great um handle on which kid is using which style at which time and, and same with the adults. So um all that input that we give story-wise is then given back to us story-wise, but from a martial arts perspective as well. So there's a lot of kind of, um, if if you're in the know about martial arts at all, I think there's a lot of fodder there that, that tells you the story as well as, you know, the dynamics that we've, we've tried to, to uh, set up for any given battle.
2: Yeah. I'm always very impressed by fight choreography and, and the show has really good, good fight choreography. Like when you think about it, the human body only has, you know, two arms, two legs, you know, you think your move set would be limited with what you can do, but there's an infinite amount of things you can come up with in
0: a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and speaking of fights, I just got to say, thank you so much. I'm sure I know it's not just you, but the final fight between Daniel and Terry, like calling back to Miyagi, talking about strong roots. Then we go through the quick silver rules as Daniel beats him down. Uh, and then finishing with the goddamn crane kick. Like I was, I was screaming yeah. and crying and laughing. I was like, I could not believe the, we pull out the kick, the crane kick at the end. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of that's got to come from the writers per too. Right. Especially just how the rules go along with these, these moves. Uh, I mean, who said, yeah. it's gotta be crane kick. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't remember where that came up, but it just felt right. Like the, if anyone was going to get crane kicked, it should be silver. And um, I mean, he uh, joked I,
0: about the crane kick in part three. He's like, Are you going to pull out the little crank.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's I mean, that, that made it come full circle so well. And uh, again, not taking credit for it, but I was there when we shot it. And, oh, you know, oh, there, was a, there was a whole group it. of kids that were there, but a bunch of them had rapped and, and there was other people who weren't even shooting that day that came in because they knew. He was going to do the crane kick. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, surprised me at the time. I didn't expect it. Um, And then seeing Ralph pull it off was very cool. And honestly, I think it looked better in person than it did in the cut. I mean, he really, he got some air and he, he delivered. Um, And it was so satisfying to see, I think, again, this is probably a Hayden thing, but I, I feel like uh, you know, the most satisfying thing was to see him crash into the Cobra Kai mirror and the, and the trophies and all that stuff too. So it yeah. was just, it was all kind of there for the taking, which was great. Um, and, and in addition to that, I think um, Tom C. and Griffith did such a nice job with the, the justification speech beforehand. Yeah, And that went through a couple revisions because it's another thing that we had in different characters mouths expressed already, you know, why Cobra Kai is better than The do and all that. So it took a couple tries to get it um, to be not repeating what we'd already said before, but he did such a great job with it. And it was always intended to be intercut with Johnny's fight, but it's almost a shame that we set it up that way because it would have been cool to see him do it start to finish on camera. And when he did it in person, the, the assembled cast gave him a spontaneous ovation. And then <laughs> nice. there was another ovation once Ralph landed the, the crane kick. So it was a real like kind of uh, just a, a celebratory day of shooting, um, you know, for, for anyone day. working on the show and anyone who, who's fans of, uh, you know, the third movie or, or just everything from Terry Silver's introduction in Cobra Kai. And it was, it was the same day. Yeah. It all happened. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All That's in one so night. Awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Really, I, I get. I don't know how much you can give away. I mean, I, I'm. You said that the writers' room hasn't opened yet. But like, what do you think? What do you foresee is coming down the pike for uh, for Cobra Kai? Uh, the, the well, certainly season?
1: the the Sekai Tai Kai, and yeah. you know, with that, some new villains. I'm sure. Um, I think the scope will will uh, enlarge, will expand, will have um, an international component of some sort uh, i would imagine and i'm just guessing at most of this i mean i've certainly yeah. heard a few ideas being tossed around but nothing's final until it's on netflix right so yeah yeah um it really remind me, I, I is, think- it,
2: is it specifically a karate tournament or is it a like a world martial arts of all styles
1: that's a good question. I don't know if that's been decided yet.
2: Yeah. Um, that would be an so we'll opportunity to do the to do the uh the blood sport, the quest kind of thing, Season yeah. two kind of thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's interesting. I, I'm not entirely sure if we if we defined that in yeah. season five at all, but i think it is a karate board who comes to judge, you know, uh, the worthiness yeah. of these dojos. So it may it may already be defined as just karate. Um, but I'm sure we'll, have, we'll be going down the road with Johnny and Carmen and their, their, uh, oh, the baby, their forthcoming yes. child. Um, we'll certainly be exploring the kids' dynamics some more as they get into their, I believe we're putting them in their senior year of high school. So okay. there will certainly be a lot of uh, what's next, you know, type discussions and storylines. Uh, I would imagine there will be some attempts to hint at potential spinoffs. If we, if we decide that there you know car- a character or characters who we would like to try and launch into a new story, uh, I'm sure that will factor in as well, um, and just more absurdity, more karate absurdity. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I can that's what I can promise of all the things I just said. That feels like a guarantee. <laughs>
0: Well, I definitely can't let you go without asking you about Obliterated, which is the next uh, the next show that you're going to be involved with with the Big Three. Uh, I read the description on Wikipedia, and boy, it sounded like the season finale <laughs> of Cobra Kai. The fact that oh, so basically it says like an elite team uh, stops this uh, terrorist from blowing up the, Las Vegas. They're they're celebrating, and then it, and they get rip roaring drunk, and then they discover they actually. St- still have some, like maybe a bomb to diffuser or something like that. Right. they have still saved the day. Uh that it does sound a lot like uh, what uh Johnny and bit. Daniel and Mike Burns go through. But a little uh, bit. Yeah. Uh can yeah, you tell no, us anything about it besides Uh
1: well that's that's the the log line, certainly. It's a it's we just finished filming uh, a few weeks ago and it's uh, a very raunchy, raucous action comedy that sort of throws back to those 80s and 90s movies that were you know, probably a little over the top back then, and w- would be seen as even more so now. But it's a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of action, more than more than Cobra Kai. Cool. Uh, a different kind of action certainly. Yeah. Um. A lot of uh, a lot of comedy that goes goes further than what we do on Cobra Kai. It's very <laughs> R-rated, and there's <laughs> some stuff that will, uh, I'm sure, shock and and uh, and, and Appall a few people, um, but <laughs> shock and amuse many more. Um, I don't know how much more I can say about it without giving away yeah. too much, but it, it's a fantastic cast. There's there's a few Cobra Kai overlaps in front and, and behind the camera. Uh,
0: oh, cool.
1: Nothing major to spoil or anything like that, but a few uh, you know a few smaller roles that people you might recognize. Um, and yeah, it was just it was a it was a long uh, five month shoot. And uh, a long three and a half months of trying to write it before that, but we got it done, and hopefully the the proof is in the pudding. And when it comes out sometime next year, people will go as bananas for it as they do for Cobra Kai. Oh,
0: nice. for sure, for sure. Yeah, with this team, I'm definitely, I'm certain. And and uh, I saw it stars uh, Nick Zano, who uh, people who love Legends of Tomorrow should, you know, will we'll recognize that yep. name. Um, but uh, cool. Well, I, I you guys I have anything. Sorry. Do you guys have oh, anything
2: please. between that and Season 6? Or are you right on to Season 6?
1: Uh, season 6 will start writing, I think, sometime in February, as it's currently scheduled. And we'll start shooting a few months after that. So that's, uh, for a lot of us, I think that's most of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the the EPs always have, the showrunners always have a whole bunch of stuff going on at once. So they, they do have many things, many irons and many fires. But um, yeah. as far as the stuff that's been announced and is definitely going to be shot i think it's just the obliterated to cobra kai and then back to obliterate season two hopefully
0: cool and then of yeah. course we, we did there this talk of this new karate kid movie and i and i've already heard that you guys have like pretty much nothing to do with it right uh is that uh, well i be don't um uh
1: and i don't think the guys do either although this is another set of conversations i'm not really privy to i think it's meant yeah, to sure. be a, a separate story and I'm not sure if there's gonna be any overlap or if it's gonna be um you know the the same sort of characterization of anybody who appears in in both that's been established in the show but uh that's all that's all well beyond my purview, and I'm curious as anyone to see what they do with it
0: at least it'll set up maybe a karate Kid multiverse we are getting into multiverses with every right. franchise so. yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: that's that's the new path right
2: yeah.
0: Well, as always, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. And I uh, wish you, you all the luck with Obliterated in the next season of Cobra Kai. and Maybe we can get you here at the end of the, the next season. Yeah, uh, you've been so generous uh, with your time. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, oh,
1: God, it's mouth. a pleasure. Anytime, anytime <laughs> at all.
0: All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug before we go?
1: No, I got nothing going on. <laughs> <All> right, <fine. laughs> I'm pretty <All> right. useless. <laughs>
0: well thanks again and thanks everybody for listening to uh, this interview and uh, stay tuned Uh, we'll be back when Cobra Kai comes back or maybe a bonus episode here or there who knows but uh, thanks for listening everybody Uh, bye bye